we've been working through the Lord's Prayer and what it means for our lives to live out the Lord's Prayer, not just as repeating the words over and over again as if they've lost their meaning, but the meaning of each word individually. And so we read that every week, just like this week. So pray this way. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we ourselves have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so this week, um, are, we have, uh, we're going to be focused on bread, but I just want to back us up just a little bit to show us what, where we've come from and what we've sort of gone through at this moment. Um, week one, we talked about God's name remaining holy. Um, this was really all about relationship. And how we can change our relationship with God based on calling him father. And the the people of Israel had gone for so long and not talked about God in the sense of father. But they had talked about him in the sense of, of king or God or father of our nation or father, God of our fathers. Father was an earthly person, not a heavenly person. And so God's name remains holy in um, that first verse. Uh, And that changed our relationship and our outlook on that. In week two, we talked about the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God comes to earth as the people of God do his will. It was really about control and power. Who has control and power in your life? Is it something that your will and your kingdom come or is it my will and my kingdom come? And so as we put all those pieces together, we're learning that the shape of the kingdom looks different than what we expect it to look like. And so this week in verse 11, Matthew 6, 11, Jesus uses just six words to get across another characteristic of what he believes that the kingdom looks like, what he believes um, all of this uh, should look like. And so we start here in just these six words. We're going to we're going to preach a whole sermon on just six words, and it's going to be incredible. Um, Believe me, I've heard it. Um, So let me just let me just talk quickly about this is the second half of the prayer. And so I want to just uh, I just want to put the skeleton down for you, the framework of this prayer and where it's been so far. It's the first of three personal petitions. So God, we've talked about God in the first three petitions. Um, We've talked about your name, your kingdom and your will. This is the divine. So we've talked in the realm of the divine. We've talked in the realm of God um, and the word your characterizes the first half of the prayer. And so Jesus sort of switches and sort of answers that in the earthly sense. And so in the second half of the prayer, the word us characterizes the whole thing. And so we have give us and forgive us and deliver us. And so in the first half, we have the petitions of the divine, do these things, your kingdom, your name, make those things happen, and then also take care of us. As your people, these are the things that we're going to need. Um, So the divine and the human are both in this, and they're both equally represented, just as in Jesus, the divine and human are both equally represented. And so give us is this call for provision. Give us Today, our daily bread, this is a provision. This is God saying, uh, Jesus telling us that God is going to give to us. 
And then forgive us is the pardon that we're looking for. It's the, the way that we can become whole. It's the way that we can feel that completeness once again. And then deliver us is a call for protection. So we have provision and we have pardon and we have protection. And the way that these are represented is that provision takes care of our present day, our present time, our present needs. And the pardon of our sins takes care of our past needs. And the protection of future temptation takes care of our future. And so everything is laid out here in this prayer. Jesus, in these 57 words, has told us, here's all the things that are important about God. Here's all the important things about you. Here's the way that we can take care of your present and your past and your future so that everything is encompassed in these things. And so if we do pray these exact words, if we feel led in the moment to pray exactly how the Lord has taught us to pray, everything is covered in this prayer. And so today we're going to take a look at what bread has to do with it. Um, Our bread specifically. Bread is the staple food for the life of a first century Jew. Bread. That's what they eat mostly all the time, every day. All the time. Um, Bread is how nations survive. If you don't have bread, if you don't create a way to grow wheat and bake the bread, your nation does not survive. There are reasons that Ukraine is so important to Russia because it is the breadbasket of Europe. It produces more wheat than any other country in Europe. There are reasons that our nation's heartland is called the heartland because what do you see but rows and rows of corn and wheat all over the place? Our nation thrives on the crops, especially on wheat. Now, the name Dr. Norman Borlaug may not mean a lot to you, but he's a very important person. He was a microbiologist and a, a plant specialist, and he saw that there was a problem growing in India. In the 40s and 50s, he did a lot of experiments on wheat and what wheat was creating. And the problem mainly with wheat is that it grows too tall. And so as it grows taller and taller, it gets thinner and thinner. And what was happening in countries like India and Southeast Asia and the Middle East is that when they were growing their wheat, it would get very tall and then the winds and the rain would come and it would knock the wheat over. And when the wheat breaks and the stalk touches the ground, It's no use anymore. You can't use it. They had to throw it away. And so what was happening in the 50s and 60s is that the nation of India could not sustain itself because wheat was scarce. And so what uh, Dr. Borlaug did was uh, he and his group invented a new type of wheat called dwarf wheat. And what this dwarf wheat did was it was just like regular wheat, but it grew smaller. It grew shorter. It was stockier. And if you had a shorter wheat plant, that meant that when the winds came, the stalk would be thicker and it wouldn't, uh, wouldn't fall to the ground. And so what Borlaug did was he introduced this first to Mexico and it saved Mexico and its uh, wheat production. And then he took it to India and Southeast Asia and it saved their wheat production. And by that account, many believe that Dr. Borlaug saved about a billion lives because of his small invention of dwarf wheat. Bread 
is the means of survival. If you do not have bread, if you do not have a way to sustain yourself through your own agriculture, you don't have a nation. So we take this for granted, though, because we have 52 versions of bread to choose from. Flaxseed and 12 grain and whole grain and oat and potato and honey oat and honey wheat and white Hawaiian. Hawaiian bread. So we take it for granted that we can just go and find bread. We don't have to think about where is this going to come from. But the overarching theme, the idea, the one conversation around the table every day in the home of a first century Jew was bread. Where are we going to get it? Do we have enough? Will we survive? And we're not just praying for the mundane here. We're praying for all things essential. Physical bread, yes, that nourishes body. But in bread, what Jesus is talking about with bread, he's talking about not just the physical body part of it, but the word of God that nourishes the soul. He's talking about spiritual bread that is Christ himself, that is for the spirit. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. This is a really hard saying for a first century Jew because they want to say, yeah, but I can't eat that bread. I can't survive. My family can't survive on this. I need something physical. So the idea of physical bread meeting your needs was huge. Because as I said last week, taxation rates were about 90% in the Roman Empire. And so they had very little left over for where that bread was going to come from. And here's an interesting part about it. Um, We're not praying my bread. We're not praying, God, give me today my bread. We're praying to God our bread. The great Mother Teresa, who was the the saint in Calcutta, who nurtured and and whose name is now infamous with generosity and sainthood, wrote this in one of her diaries. I will never forget the night an old gentleman came to our, our house and said that there was a family with eight children and they had not eaten. And could we do something for them? So I took some rice and went there. The mother took the rice from my hands Then she divided into two and went out. I could see the faces of the children shining with hunger. When she came back, I asked where she had gone. She gave me a very simple answer. They are hungry also. And they were the family next door, and she knew that they were hungry. I was not surprised that she gave, but I was surprised that she knew. I had not the courage to ask her how long her family hadn't eaten, but I'm sure it must have been a long time. And yet she knew in her suffering, in her terrible bodily suffering, she knew that next door, they were hungry too. You see, it's not my rice, just as the same as it's not my father, 
or my bread. When we pray our bread, give us our bread, we are asking God for big things. This is not a prayer of smallness. This is not a prayer of mundane. This is not a prayer of, wow, I've got a loaf of bread. How great is that? This is a prayer of generosity. This is a prayer of thanksgiving. This is a prayer of, yeah, they are hungry also. God, give us what we need for today. Give us what we need to survive. Bread is all essential physical and spiritual needs. And we're not just praying for our needs. We're not just praying for God, help me. We're saying, God, my neighbor needs it too. God, my community needs it too. God, our nation needs it too. Come and give us our needs as people, as humans, as your people. This is what we need to have everything taken care of for us. And notice this as we're praying for bread, not cake. We are praying for all the things which sustain us, all the things that are essential, all the things that we need for our lives and the lives of the people around us, not the extras that come with it. We're praying for what sustains and what keeps us and what is essential. It's almost like bread is a gift, right? It's not a right. It's not something we're entitled to. It's not something we earn. It's not something that we can collect. Bread is a gift and we haven't created it. And so in praying, give us today our daily bread, we are saying, God, this is a gift from you. Sustain us. God, we know that you are a good and perfect God and you give us exactly what we need when we need it. God, you are a God who provides. Think about from Genesis 22, when Abraham takes his son Isaac up the mountain. And he's laying there on the altar, on the stone, and he takes out his flint knife and he's about to kill his son Isaac as a sacrifice to God. And at the last moment, the ram comes out of the thicket And what does Abraham declare that place to be? Jehovah Jireh. The Lord provides. He said the Lord will provide. Not that the Lord did provide. The Lord will provide. He always provides even in a situation that looks desperate. Even in a situation that we feel we have no control in. Even in the places where as Abraham walked with God and God said, I am going to lead you here to this place, up this mountain where you can worship me. And Abraham said, I will do what you want, God. I will listen to you. Even if it means sacrificing all of this. The Lord will provide. We need to talk though, not just about bread, but the word daily here. Um, Because the extras that we pray for, the cake that we want in our lives, the extras bring a lot of problems on their own. 
the most basic fear that a human goes through is, do I have enough? Do I have enough for now? Do I have enough for the future? Am I good enough for these people? Will they figure out that I'm a fake? Do I have enough? And it's led to many overcorrections with wealth accumulation and greed and capitalism run amok. In Luke 12, Jesus tells them this parable. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough room, enough room to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get up everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a relationship with God. Then, turning to his disciples, Jesus said, That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food to eat or enough clothes to wear. For life is more than food and your body more than clothing. Look at the ravens. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for God feeds them. And you are far more valuable to him than any birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And if worry can't accomplish a little thing like that, what's the use of worrying over bigger things? Boy, that question cuts us to the core, doesn't it? I have so much in my life that I need to open a storage unit. I can't park both of my cars in the garage because I have so much stuff in my garage that I can't park cars in there. We accumulate so much stuff because we're so concerned that we may not have enough for tomorrow. And Jesus is looking at us and saying, I want you to pray for your bread daily. I don't want you to pray for your weekly bread. I don't want you to pray for your monthly bread. I don't want you to pray for your yearly bread because that's sometimes how we think of this prayer. We think, God, if I have enough for today, that means you're going to take care of me for the year. I'm going to have enough for the year. I've got all of this stuff stored up in my bank. I've got this pension. I've got all of these stocks. Everything is going to take care of me because I was a great planner. Jesus isn't saying that here. Jesus is saying, open yourself up. Wake up. Open your eyes. Listen to what I'm saying to you. Pray for your daily bread. The trouble with this word daily is in the original Greek where this was written, it's actually a made up word. When they were writing it down, they're like, we don't have a word that describes this. So we're just going to put two words together and then we're going to hope for the best. The, um, the Greek word is um, epiousian. And it's two words together, epi and ousia. Um, so what epi means in Greek is it means for or near or on top of. 
And usia is the word for being or substance. So our best guess as to what the word daily means is it means for being. That's as close as we can get. And so the interpretations for the word for being come down through the years. And so we can think of this in two ways. Um, We can think of it as for the day being, or we can think of it just for the being of ourselves. And so this actually can take two ideas here. We can interpret this word as a measure of time or as a measure of amount. We can say, give us this day our bread that we need for today, which is a daily thing, which is a time measurement. Or we can say, give us today the bread we need for today, which is an amount. No more than I need, no less than I need. Everything in perfect measure. God's instructions in Exodus were clear. Only what you need for today. But there is actually, I think, a better, more historical witness to what this word means. Um, I won't wade into the weeds as to where we get it from. um, But the oldest version of this word is actually lasting, never-ending, perpetual. Daily means that it recurs daily. It never ends. It always comes back. It's eternal bread. And if we look to Christ, if we look to Jesus in this moment, Jesus is the measure of all three of those definitions. He is time, daily, spending with him, walking with him. Every day we come and meet him again and again. But he is also showing us That in our lives, what we need for this moment is exactly enough. No more and no less. And also, he is the eternal. He is the everlasting God. He is the one who we declare to be good forever and ever. And so I think that we can take from this what I would call daily bread living. And I think from what I've shown us, I think from the, the, the ways that we've broken this down, we can find four, <clears throat> four definitions of what daily bread looks like. Daily bread living includes gratitude. It's gratitude to God for all his blessings. Now, God could have ordained that we eat nothing but mud, that there are no colors, that we live in like this black and white world. Um, there wouldn't necessarily, there would just be wheat fields, no mountains or, you know, water, oceans, things to see. There wouldn't be music or art or things to entertain us. God could have ordained that. But everything that has been created has been created to be good and to be good for us. And so when we think about this, that we don't have a problem with bread, that we know where our bread is coming from next week or next month, we live in this area of, well, you know what? Um, I'm just not that grateful for the things that I have. I could do better at gratitude, but I have everything that I need. It's in our poverty that we become more grateful for the things that we don't have. Now, why don't we start living that out every day? That understanding that we are just 
one step away from poverty. We're one bad decision away from poverty. We're one neighborhood away from being in poverty. And so God says, let's have some gratitude by the things that you do have. Let's stop focusing on the things you don't have and let's look at the things you do have. The whole animating principle of the Christian life is gratitude to God for all of his blessings. We don't have the luxury of a bad day. We have bad days because we figure we've got lots, lots of days to go. This one's bad. I'm having a bad day. And we can pout and be miserable and have a pity party and feel sorry for ourselves. But people that don't have don't get bad days because they're grateful for everything that they have. They're grateful for everything in front of them and they can see that things can be so much worse. All of this can be done with a posture that reminds us to be grateful to God. The next thing is contentment. And we talked about this. We pray for our needs and not our greeds. We pray for bread and not for cake. We need to be, we need to make peace with the things that we have Because in this prayer, the prayer for bread, we're also asking the reverse. God, withhold from me the things I don't need for today. And this is a life-changing prayer. This is is taking us to a place that says, God, I know you have given me everything I need, but I also thank you for withholding from me the things that I don't need at this time. That you've withheld from me the things that I do not need to worship you, to be essential in my life. Be content with the things that God has given us. We need to really think about the words from Proverbs 37 through 9. Two things I ask of you, O Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies from me and give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of God. The third thing that we can do in daily bread living is have confidence. Confidence that God will meet my needs day by day. We know this. We can have confidence Because we say, God, give me my daily bread. Give us our daily bread. Give me the things that are essential for my being today. (laughs) That must have worked because I'm still here. And we forget this all the time that when we pray that and we say, God, I don't have the things I need. Well, you know what? I've taken you this far. I've gotten you this far. You're alive. You're healthy. You have all the things that you need today. You're growing and you're prospering. So show me some Confidence that I've gotten you this far and I will continue to do that. He's willing to supply our needs, but only on a day-to-day basis. And we don't like to live like that. We have freezers filled with food or storage units filled with all of our junk that we don't use anymore. We have plenty of food and there's nothing wrong with that. But it's going to be more challenging to be sincere in this prayer when we pray from the heart and instead of just from our lips, we start to say with confidence that I know I won't go hungry. Not because of my freezer, but because of God. 
And finally, daily bread living leads to generosity, just like we talked about with Mother Teresa. Having allows us to be generous, but also not having should lead us to just as much generosity as well. Everything you have comes from God. Everything that is given to you is given in trust to you. The blessings that you have are not given to you for your own personal benefit. And what is given to you in trust is given that you might share it with others. These are the principles for daily bread living. This is God's economy. This is how God's economy operates. And so bread is an economic word. It's a word about money and trust and generosity and gratitude and contentment that the things that we have, the places that we are, are so clear. They're so big and so meaningful that what we pray, the places that we go, that's what our daily bread is, the essential part. And so the way that we can pray this in our lives is, God, give us today what we need for today. God, when we come to you, help us be filled with confidence that you're going to do what you say you do. God, give us this moment that we can stop fearing, that we can stop dreading the things that go wrong and focus on the things that have already gone right that we know who you are, God, you've shown us. And this prayer brings that to life. Help me be the person that can give bread to others. God, come into this community and give us the things that we need today. And help me not to focus on the month or the year ahead. Help me to be comfortable as a daily person. And to drop this need to live in a world where I need control over my week and my month and my year. As we now transition into communion, we are going to 